Hi everyone, this is Taylor Rotwell. This is my first Laravel snippet. This is something new I'm trying where I do a little podcast every week or so and just talk about what we've been doing that week um, over here at Laravel, what I'm working on, and kind of give you a peek behind the scenes just really quickly at about just five or so minutes and just to give you a taste of what we're working on lately. So um, I wanted to do this just to kind of get back and interacting with the community a little bit over uh, audio form since I haven't been uh, a regular member of the Laravel podcast um, since I took some time off just to kind of focus on working on other projects. But I, I kind of missed it, wanted to get back started and thought, I thought this would be a good way to, um, you know, do something a little different where it's not a big time commitment and people can learn a little bit about what's happening with Laravel. So uh, this week there's been uh, some pretty interesting PRs coming to Laravel. Um, I usually spend about an hour of my day every morning working on GitHub PRs, merging them, uh, refactoring them if I need to or whatever. Uh, one that came in this week was for Laravel 5.8, which will probably release sometime in February, and it was a PR to the container where you can have tag services in the container, which was already a feature, but... Uh, usually when you ask the container for all of the tag services, it resolved them all right then. Like it instantiated every class at that moment. And if you're looping through your tag services and you had some condition to where you returned early and didn't use all of them, you sort of wasted the instantiation of the whatever services you didn't use. So in 5.8, someone sent in a PR to make that work with a PHP generator so that as you loop through the services, they're sort of lazy instantiated. And if you break out of the loop and return early, you didn't really create anything you didn't need to create um, out of the container. So that was pretty cool. There's been a few new Forge features this week. Muhammad... Um, implemented the max execution time setting in the UI so that you can can control how long a request can execute on your server. That updates both the Nginx configuration file and the PHP FPM uh, settings on the server. So that's pretty handy, just something else you don't really have to dig into, you know, the server itself or SSHN to modify uh, just today, we've been working on, or Muhammad's been working on, support for the new Linode Cloud dashboard. So this is a new UI that Linode has put out, um, and it uses different a different API and different API keys, actually. Um, so we needed to make some updates to our Linode integration on Forge so that we can support the new API keys and the new API. That actually will be the only new Linode tokens we accept going forward once this is deployed. Even though all your old servers will still work and we'll maintain those tokens in case you ever need to delete them or whatever. Uh, Drees is a new staff member that came on board um, late last year and has been helping out a lot on the open source side of Laravel. So kind of how Laravel works as a business is uh, Muhammad has been working on sort of our commercial offerings, mainly Forge and Envoyer and Spark, handling support for those. And Dries has been exclusively handling the open source repositories, every repository across the Laravel organization, actually. Um, so he handles a lot of issues and uh, pull requests and review stuff, things like that. Um, so he's been working on setting up Windows testing on Travis for the framework, uh, which is a new thing from Travis, I think. Um, I think it's actually still in beta. Uh, so that's been pretty interesting and um, frustrating at times, I think, because it's not quite as smooth as, as the Linux integration. And I think he's actually uh, got pretty far, but putting it on hold for now until 
uh, we need it. It's more a more pressing issue, I guess, and has moved back to working on passport bug fixes, uh, which I just merged one in today. Uh, sort of improvements and bug fixes, really. And what, he's been going through every library in Laravel sort of one by one. So, you know, Socialite, Horizon, uh, things like that, and sort of cleaning them all up, handling all their issues, and then moving on to the next one. Uh, also labeling issues and pull requests for things that, you know, need more information or maybe we need to escalate up to me or whatever. So that's been really helpful. I'm really glad that uh, Dries has come on board. It sort of filled a gap in the business where Muhammad and I were so focused on commercial stuff a lot that um, some of the repositories just like uh, weren't like unmaintained, you know, since the code is working and tested, but um, the issues and stuff weren't being really reviewed that often since we didn't have time. So it's nice to have someone full time on that. It makes things run a lot smoother. I really don't know how open source, big open source projects would even function without um, a full time staff member. It's really crazy, actually, that anyone gets anything done. Um, as for me, I've been working on, um, uh, you know, Laravel secret projects this week. Um, got a big secret project going, uh, leading up into Laracon, hopefully, um, for a launch if everything goes well. If it doesn't go well, then, you know, I guess there won't be a big launch at Laracon. But um, I've also been working on a DynamoDB cache and session driver for the framework. DynamoDB is a really kind of a glorified key value store from Amazon that, um, you know, it's supposed to have high scale and they just recently released a DynamoDB on demand option where, um, I don't know if you've ever used DynamoDB, but previously you had to sort of provision out like how much read and write capacity you expected, which can be kind of hard to predict. And it's just, um, you know, just kind of annoying to have to make these guesses on how much capacity you need. You always worry, are you over under provisioning stuff? So the new DynamoDB on-demand feature basically just lets you select more of like a serverless type setup where you're paying for what you use and you never really have to provision a specific capacity. It just sort of auto scales to whatever capacity you're using at the time and then uh, scales back down if you're not using it very much. Um, so the reason I'm writing this driver will probably be you know more clear in the future, but um, it wasn't too bad to implement. I've pretty much got the cache driver done and um, writing the session driver will basically be pretty easy. That's just making it talk to the uh, cache driver. Um, so that'll be pretty cool uh, if you're using AWS or you're interested in DynamoDB. I actually first used DynamoDB a long time ago, back around the time it came out. Or, well, I guess not around the time it came out, but earlier in its uh, lifespan for sure, maybe four or five years ago when I was working at Userscape and we were building the initial versions of what became B-Snappy. At the time, it was called Tickety. And I actually wrote a DynamoDB sort of wasn't really an ORM since you can't really say Dynamo has relationships uh, in the way that we think of them in MySQL, but it was just sort of a tool for integrating with DynamoDB. And I'm not sure what ever happened to that tool. I'm not sure if it's still out there somewhere on GitHub or whatever, but kind of an interesting little tidbit from Laravel history. So this has been the first time I've worked with DynamoDB in probably four or five years. So it's been pretty interesting to come back and, and work with it again. Uh, last thing is uh, Laracon... 2019 tickets went on sale this week, so that's really cool. We've already sold basically half the tickets just in the first few days. So if you're putting off getting the tickets, probably should get on that, start talking to your boss because they do sell out uh, pretty quickly if prior years are any precedence. And there's always, you know, um, 
gut-wrenching emails of people begging for extra tickets. And we usually just simply don't have the capacity to let in any more people. Um, so check that out. Um, been working on getting new speakers for that or more speakers. Um, got a few I haven't announced yet um, from the Laravel community. Trying to pull in a lot of you know people that have been around the Laravel community and um, contributed through blogs or uh, you know tweets and stuff like that, and bring some fresh faces into the uh, Laracon scene from overseas as well. So I'm I'm excited about it. I think it'll be a good speaker lineup. And we have more speakers this year at 18 since. We shrunk down the talk size to 30 minutes instead of uh, 45 minutes, which I always found 45 minutes really long. And um, I think shrinking it down to 30 minutes will be pretty nice. Um, you know, people just easier to stay focused. It's easier for speakers to prepare talks for a little bit shorter length and sort of forces them to, you know, compact them and put just the essential information and maybe make just kind of a tighter presentation around it all. So I'm excited about that. Another new thing with Laracon 2019 I'm doing is. Um, lightning talks from the audience on the main stage and hopefully that works out okay i have seven lightning talk spots and i haven't quite decided how to select those spots so if you have any ideas you know let me know on twitter email me um i guess there'll be like kind of a sign up thing before the conference maybe and let people vote or or whatever so we'll figure out something anyways that's sort of what's been going on this week in laravel um always reach out to me on Twitter at Taylor Otwell and, you know, drop me a line if you have any questions or, um, you know, just want to chat about Laravel. So uh, hopefully be back next week and let you know what else we've been working on uh, in the meantime. And thanks for listening.